Hey everybody, and welcome to this episode of Onset with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. Today we have a special guest that I am honored that he joined me on my podcast, Academy Award-winning Special Effects Coordinator, Scott Fisher. Scott has worked on films including Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Titanic, and Interstellar, where he won his Oscar. In this episode, we talked about how he got his start in the film industry and what his role is on set. So here's my interview with Scott Fisher. Uh, today we have uh, Scott Fisher, uh, a special effects coordinator. Uh, thanks, Scott, for joining me. Nice to uh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, let's get started. Uh, kind of introduce yourself and uh, you know tell what you do uh, on set. Uh, my name's Scott Fisher, and I do all the practical effects on the set. Um, anything that happens in camera, wind, rain, fire, smoke, uh, mechanical rigs like this. Um, you know, a lot of shows, it all depends on the show. Sometimes it's pyro and bullet hits and car stuff, uh, whatever needs to be done, you know. Okay. Um, so I, I guess on kind of like a, a day-to-day basis, um, uh, you know, what type of, you know, stuff, you know, do you do to, I guess, get ready to shoot or um, during the shoot? Yeah, like I said, it's always dependent on the show. You might have a, on this show we do, there's a lot of pyro. We have a lot of mechanical rigs. Um, we have a shop going all the time that preps a lot of the stuff, uh, for, on this, like I said, we do a lot of bullet hits, fire, uh, explosions, mm-hmm. and we just, uh, kind of keep pace with the schedule. They prep the stuff and then we shoot it on a day-to-day basis. So you've worked on a lot of, you know, great films, uh, from Interstellar, uh, you know, Fury, uh, Dark Knight, and, you know, start, starting back to your earlier days with Total Recall and Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to uh, set up a scene. Um, how do you decide? I guess what goes where, what explosions go in which part, what? How do you kind of organize that? Uh, well, everything's driven by the script and the director. They kind of give you an idea of what they want, and we oftentimes draw from other shows. You know, use that mm-hmm. as a reference to say, you know, we did this on this show, or you know, on Terminator. Just especially some of the films that I've worked on, I've been lucky lucky enough that. Um, they're pretty well known, so when you mm-hmm. mention stuff, you can kind of, they have an idea what you're talking about, and you got have to kind of, you know, everybody has their own, each director has their own barometer to say, you know, one guy says, I want to see a million bullet hits, that might be 10,000 bullet hits, or it might be 2 million, you know, you until you get, mm-hmm. get working with them and get a feel for what's going on. So then, you know, as the show goes and you evolve and talk about stuff, we do a lot of tests, we videotape uh, tests and show them, and, and uh you know, just to generally get the size and scale of what they're looking for in each particular project. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess out of all of the films that you've worked on, um, what has, I guess, been your favorite or at least made you the most proud after you finished or, you know, what was the funnest even? Uh, it's hard to say, you know, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of films I worked on at that where I wasn't the coordinator, you know, so it, and a lot of those films I was really proud to work on, like... Uh, Terminator 2 and True Lies, some of those Jim Cameron films, mm-hmm. with Titanic we worked on, and with my father we worked for many years, and then, um, so those shows would definitely be kind of while I was the guy working, and then um, since I've been coordinating, I was lucky enough to get in with the, uh, work with Christopher Nolan and do those films, and he's really a interesting guy, kind of pleasure to work with, so he mm-hmm. does really challenging projects, so uh, Inception and Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar were definitely mm-hmm. um, definitely some of my favorites since I've been coordinating. 
Okay. Um, so I, I guess you probably touched on it a little bit with saying that you uh, worked with your dad. Uh, but, you know, what is your background? How did you get, get to where you are today? Um, I got my start working, working with my dad. I was a, a welder. You know, you kind of, that's how you get into effects. Basically, you become a, uh, you have a trade. You get in, so much of this stuff is kind of, uh, you have to learn once you're in the business, so specialized. And then um, worked with him for years, uh, on and off, different projects. And then um, then kind of branched on my own, started doing smaller smaller projects. And then uh, working, working my way up through the ranks, you know. Okay. Um, I, I guess um, for, I guess for special effects, or for you, uh, you did not go to school for film or for anything like that. No, no. Yeah. I went to uh, trade school and was uh, learned, became a certified welder and a machinist, and that's that's typically the um, the avenue for for practical special effects. Is is mm-hmm. you have to have at least one trade. Some guys are electronics. They do hydraulics. They'll do um, welder, fabricators. We get guys. A lot of guys. They'll come in from. Uh, um, that do like car stuff, like off-road race teams, mm-hmm. some of that where they do a lot of fabrication, and a lot of vehicle prep because we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And then, like I said, once you get in, you know, some guys, they, they either choose to be a specialist, you know, and be that guy whenever you have car stuff, they bring that guy in or hydraulic stuff. But mm-hmm. because our work is so varying, you could have um, – you could have five shows in a row where you don't have any car stuff or you don't have any hydraulic stuff or electronic stuff. So you kind of, the more uh, you learn and the more versatile you are, the more work you're going to get for sure. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, kind of extending on the point of versatility. Um, so you, you've worked on a couple of films like Interstellar, uh, a couple epic action movies, Interstellar, Fury, Dark Knight. Um, but you've also worked on a couple, you know, comedies uh, mm-hmm. such as Blades of Glory and The Bucket List. How how do how do those I guess differ uh, in terms of special effects? Um, it depends, you know. I mean, there can be more. Uh, they can be more challenging sometimes because it's not just whether your effect works. As far as you know, like in an action movie, they you want big action. That's what you want to see. And in a comedy mm-hmm. movie, you want to see comedy so just because something's big action it might not be funny or fit into the comedy so it's the same thing you got to work with the director and kind of figure out um what's needed and it's kind of i just like you know certain directors are fun to work with and and projects and i think if you that's kind of keeps you going like long term being able to work Mm -hmm. on bigger projects smaller projects kind of as they come to you know whatever comes along you know okay um Great. So, uh, I mean, because for special effects, there's so much stuff going on, especially on, you know, huge movies, um, like the one we're working on now. Uh, is, has there ever been, like, a, you know, really huge challenge that you've had to face, um, you know, while working on a movie and you, like, really big problem? And, you know, how did you overcome said problem? Um, you know, every show definitely offers its own unique problems, and I think it's, you know, it, it's... Because you have all the regular elements, you have budget, you have schedule, you have uh, scale. That's even just the work. And so, sometimes a lot of times on movies, you know, what something that wouldn't be that big a deal, but if they want to do it first up in the movie and don't have a lot of prep, you know, you you always have to kind of try to figure out a, uh, you know, clever ways to get the stuff done when it needs to be done. So and then, you know, and then. There's certain times, like when we were on Interstellar, you know, there was a last minute, we, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with the TARS robot, 
and we decided that the best way to do it was to have it. Nolan really wanted to have a practical robot there on set mm-hmm. with an actor interacting with the other actors. And so, you know, that's it. It's like, okay, you know, build it. And, and an actor's got to be able to operate it. And it became a puppet and became that. So there's, there's you know, and it. I think being earlier in the process, that wouldn't have been as big of a challenge. But mm-hmm. still, you have to kind of, you know, it all depends, you know. On the, on the project and the timing and the how what it needs to do it's, it's just got to fit the story it's not just being able to make something work as an effect you know it's got to mm-hmm. fit in and be filmable and work with actors and whatever it takes to work on the on the project you know yeah yeah no um so i guess a little bit more about interstellar um because that movie is takes place in space uh were there any different you know, and any different ways of approaching a film like that where you have to deal with the lack of gravity in some cases? A um, little bit. I mean, we worked close with the stunt team on that. We did a lot of uh, f- uh, the flying stuff for the zero gravity. You know, uh, Nolan, he's really a... Um, Chris is really a, a planner, you know, so when you break down a lot of the shots, it, it makes it really efficient because you can figure out who's doing what and what shots. I mean, a lot of the shots we did with um, little flying cranes and parallelograms, mm-hmm. and then some of the shots uh, stunts did with wires and pulling guys through. So it was, um, uh, you know, we did vertical, we did sets that were flat, we did sets that were vertical, you know, whatever, you know, helped us achieve the, the look. You know, it's, it's kind of... Um, I mean, it sounds corny, but I always say it's kind of like a little bit like being a magician, you know, doing effects. I mm-hmm. think especially now with visual effects and miniatures and all the different things that are available, if you if you use the same trick over and over again, you know, you're gonna it's gonna become more obvious to the audience. And I think mm-hmm. that the the most successful effects are when you have a blend between miniatures and special effect or practical effects and visual effects, and you know, some shots are you know, a practical effect that becomes later on enhanced with CGI mm-hmm. or, you know, and that, you know, and you keep changing it as you do it. So it, it, it's, those are the most effective, I think. Okay. Um, so I guess as we come to a close, I have two more questions for you. Um, uh, one of them being, uh, I guess, pick a couple must-see films uh, for a student filmmaker or, you know, a student, you know, uh, special effects coordinator um, that they should watch uh, that you you know really show you know what special effects can do and what makes them so great. Um, well, I mean, I think you definitely want to watch uh, at least one or two films that are pre uh, CGI era. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, like with Terminator Two. Um, you know, even Die Hard, some of those movies you look at, because, I mean, I mean, we did, we used to do those movies, you'd, you'd finish a movie like that, and, I mean, you would get phone calls from your peers and other people working in the business, and they would say, like, how did you, how'd you do that, you know, how, what'd you do mm-hmm. for this, what'd you do for that, and you would kind of talk through it, because you knew that was, stuff was done in camera, that's how it was done, there was, mm-hmm. you know, there was a few CG shots or visual effects shots, but at that time, they were, they were pretty obvious, people knew which ones they were, you know, a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff was done you use um there were there weren't any other options like there are now to do stuff cgi so i think you know looking at those films and, and just you know i think thinking about it that way is 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 good and then kind of some that are post post cgi i mean mm-hmm. some a lot of those marvel films i think are really good uh captain america um you know i, I guess there's two you know you want to think about 
ones that are just all out action films and mm -hmm. like the action is like you know part of the movie and then there's kind of the the Christopher Nolan movies where you know it's a movie that has it's all about the story and then there's effects that are in it it's not mm -hmm. really so it's a different those are like two different takes I think I, you know not that one's better than the other but, mm -hmm. yeah. but when you go to see <clears throat> like kind of those Marvel type movies that we're so accustomed to now with all this huge action and huge CGI and and kind of look at those and think about what is what is um, a CGI effect and what was probably done practically on set you know mm -hmm. and then also in the same in the in the other type in more of a kind of a, a less less action film type role I think Nolan does a really good job of having the story and supporting it with some action to keep it inter interesting but it's really mm -hmm. all about the story more more character and story driven okay not great um so i guess the final question for you today uh what advice uh, would you give uh to a young filmmaker a young special effects you know, student um it's it's hard work, and I think being as versatile, like we talked about earlier, being as versatile mm -hmm. as possible. I mean, uh, our business expands all the time. A lot of the rigs we do, we do uh, a lot of electronics, a lot of motion control, computer stuff. You know, I, I mean, it's it's really um, it's really limitless, and, and there's still room for guys that are just fabricators, that are builders, and attention to detail. Just mm -hmm. anyone that that has, is wants to, you know continue learning and growing all the time mm -hmm. and and, um, and the more versatile you are the more I think the more work you're going to get the more creative you can be because you you understand some of the different techniques and things that are available and then you can use them to help kind of hone your craft okay well great thank you so much for participating absolutely that was my interview with Scott Fisher thanks again to Scott for talking with me if you like the podcast, give us a good rating and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And don't forget to like our Facebook page to stay updated. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.